Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Andrea. I have the privilege of being one of the teaching pastors here and being able to share God's Word with you. My husband and I have the privilege of serving this church. We count it an honor and a privilege Um, We want to thank you so much for being here today and and joining us. We're going to jump into a pretty difficult topic this morning, but one that each and every one of us deal with. So here's the thing. Here's the great thing. It might be a, a tough one, but we know that the person on the left and on the right of us, they have to deal with this too. So you are not alone. Can we say amen to that? I, sometimes it's difficult when you're going through and you're listening to a sermon, and you're like, you know, for me, just me, through the eyes, this is, God was speak. God is speaking to all of us this morning. Because this morning we're going to talk about one of the red flags that we find in our relationships. I've so enjoyed this sermon series, this um, topic that we've been talking about throughout the month of February. And and this morning, we're going to talk about the red flag of offense. Now, I'm watching everybody. Nobody gets to leave. You all have to stay right there. You know, it's it's funny because... um, this last week, Ryan got a little under the weather. He was feeling sick, and by Wednesday, he was like, babe, I, you know, I just don't have my energy back yet. And I said, well, it's okay. I'll, I can preach, and so there's no problem. So he texts me, and so my husband, if you don't know this about him, he is a pre-planner. So he takes a time. He gets away. He prays. He asks the Lord to lead him. He goes through, and so he has all the topics of everything all ready to go out. And he's like, by the way, this week's on offense. So we have this joke in our family that every time he gives me a topic, it's always about offense. See, I've read pretty much every book that's ever been written. If you need to know a book on forgiveness and offense, I can give you a book. My Kindle is full of them um, because it's just a topic that I consistently not only have to deal with myself and have to ask the Lord to help me to walk through, but also it's something that for whatever reason he gives to me to preach. This morning, we're going to talk about the red flag of offense. Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. One scripture says, if at all possible, live at peace among all men. If it's possible, do it. And so that is a charge that Paul puts on to us as believers is that we are to do everything that we can to live at peace with each other. And the reason why is because Paul read the book of Proverbs. He read the Proverbs of Solomon. And it says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. See, nothing can ruin a relationship more severely than offense. 
And the reason why that we're going to talk about this today is because continually we see in the Old, but especially in the New Testament, Jesus deals with the topic of forgiveness, loving each other. Paul writes the churches that he is planted and that he is mentoring, and he tells them, listen, love one another, forgive each other. And if the Lord has spent this much time to tell us in our relationships, there's going to be something that's going to try to break you and your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, your family members, then we need to pay attention and ask the Lord, how do we deal with that? This morning, we're going to look at a portion of scripture in Luke chapter 17. So go ahead and get your Bibles out, open up your smartphones. We're going to sit there for just a minute. I'm going to give you a, a, a lot of scriptures today, but this morning, that's going to be our text. So up on the screen is our prayer that we say together. Can we say it loud and say it together this morning? Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive and the courage to respond, in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 17, verse one. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, he said to his disciples, offenses will certainly come. Bottom line, we will get offended. It's important to know that because I think sometimes we walk through our Christian life and we think that once we've accepted Christ, all the problems go away. That's not the case. What happens is once we accept Christ, we know now how we're supposed to behave. Offenses will certainly come. And Jesus right here deals with the offender. This next portion of scripture, he says, but woe to the one through whom they come. So friends, understand this, that those that offend you, the Lord sees. But also know this, those who you offend, the Lord sees. If anything, this portion of scripture should be for us an opened-eyed open heart check of saying, Lord, do not allow me to bring offense to anyone. Because I know they're going to come, but Lord, help me to live at peace with all men. Jesus goes on to say it would be better for him. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And then Jesus shifts it, and he begins to talk about what we're supposed to do. So the first part of that, he deals with the offender. The next part is if we have become offended. Verse 3 says, be on your guard. Listen. Be on your guard. Offenses will come. Don't just sweep it under the rug. Don't pretend like it didn't happen. Offenses will come, so be on your guard. Because anything that the enemy can do, friends, listen to me, anything that the enemy wants to do is to divide the relationships of brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Now this word here, we, we think it, it sounds like a really strong, harsh word. It's a very gentle correction. See, we rebuke one another, we correct one another whenever there's a sin that happens against us because we want, we want correction. We want each other to be closer to the Lord. I'm not saying this because I want to tell you how great I am and how bad you are. I want you to know that this was a sin. It, it hurt me. And, and let's move forward from this. Let's change direction. Scripture says, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. You know, um, years ago, uh, we were not here. Um, years ago, we were at a, a, a place and um, Ryan had a, a, a meeting with, with a, a gentleman in the church. My husband is very open and honest about the past hurts of his life, his childhood, how he grew up. He feels like it's part of the testimony of the transforming power of Jesus. See, anytime, and, and my husband and I are fully believe in, in Christian counseling and in therapy, and anytime he would go to a Christian counselor or to a therapist, they would hear his story and they would, they would literally look at him and say, you are a walking miracle. Like you are, you know, we think of walking miracles as physically God has healed our bodies, but there's a healing that God can do about with our past that we become walking miracles. And so this person in the church, and as he was sharing his struggles of having relationship, I mean, listen, the man that you see before you now is not the man that I married 24 years ago. I told my father-in-law, he... I told him, I said, listen, I said, listen, I know, because he, he tells each one of his daughter-in-laws that they're his favorite. And I look at him and I say, I know that I'm actually your favorite because I took your most difficult son and look what I did. <laughs> um, he couldn't have a, when, if you think that he is socially awkward now, you should have seen him 24 years ago. He, we would walk through the grocery store and we would get into the parking lot and he would look at me and he'd be like, don't ever do that again. And I was like, oh, okay, what did I buy? Like groceries? I don't know. No, no chocolate ice cream? I don't know. He goes, you talked to the cashier. She doesn't want to talk with you. That was so embarrassing. And I looked at him and I was like, yes, she does. I am super fun. I just made her day. And so my husband shares, and, you know, and I know you don't see that, but it's important for him to share where God has brought him to. It's a, it's a moment, it's a place, a, a place of remembrance for him to go back to continuously and say, I'm not there anymore. Thank you, Lord, that I'm here. And this gentleman decided to take that testimony and use it against him and begin to poke at him and begin to tell him that he isn't a good pastor because he isn't personable and soft and fuzzy and, and, and just started really just pouring into him. And, and my husband, in the most gentle way, I, I, I was so, tears began to stream down my eyes because 
he looked at the precious man and he said, sir, the enemy would try to use this to keep me from telling my testimony. I'm gonna have to rebuke what you're saying. It's not truth because God has given me a testimony to share with someone else. Friend, rebukes are not for us to lord over people. It's to bring a correction and say to someone, listen, there's a different way. There's a different path. And then the Lord says, if he repents, if that person in front of you repents, forgive him. And then Jesus, I love, he, he takes the bar up another level. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And then probably one of the most realistic statements that could be made comes from the disciples. The apostles hear all of this and they say to the Lord, increase our faith. You're going to have to help us. <laughs> Seven times. I love, he, he tells Peter later, I don't know if any of you are like Peter, but he's telling Peter, he's like, mm, you're not seven times, you're 70 times seven. Like, Peter, you, I know you, you count like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I don't have to forgive you anymore. <laughs> and Jesus tells us that they are going to come. So why do we get offended? It's important to know. He told us to be on our guard, right? He told us to be on our guard. Why do we get offended? It's going to happen. Don't pretend like you're not offended. Uh, Lord, help me. You know what? Sometimes whenever I would pretend like I wasn't offended, you know what it was? It was pride. You didn't offend me. Mm-mm. You, no, that didn't touch me. And inside, mm, the pain, the hurt, the anger. Be on guard. It's going to happen. And so why do we get offended? The first, and, and there's a lot of reasons why we get offended. I'm going to touch a couple of them this morning. But the first one is this, unmet expectations. Okay. At some point, we need to stop trying to expect from others what we can only receive from God. Yes. Oh, I'm going to say that again. At some point in our life, we have got to stop looking at each other to receive what we can only get from God himself. We set a bar for each other that is not obtainable, that we can't even obtain, that actually only God himself can obtain. And those unmet expectations become an offense to each other. Scripture tells us that we are supposed to love one another and to share one another's struggles and difficulties. Scripture says that we are to confess our sins one to another. We are supposed to have each other in our lives. But if we place that relationship above and give it an expectation that that person will never hurt us, that that person will never offend us, that that person will never, will always be loyal to us, we have set an expectation that only God himself can complete. Amen. Offense comes when we believe and we trust in someone and we put, we put all of our trust in someone that eventually and inevitably will let us down. And then we're surprised. Jesus knew. Listen, 
Jesus knew what was in us. Read John chapter two, verse 23. It says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. The one that created us knows us. He knows our fallen nature. He, know, he knew that the Israelites in that place were going to get freed. They were going to experience the freedom. They were going to experience the cloud. They were going to experience the pillar of fire. They were going to experience the Red Sea. He knew all of that. And he knew that in just a little amount of time, they were going to turn back to false gods. Verse 25 says, no one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. The first thing we've got to understand is that it's going to come, offense is going to come when we place an expectation on someone else that is only meant for God. And friend, he will not let you down. Oh, I want, I want, he will not let you down. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the one that walks us through the fire, that the, the, the fire will not burn us. The floodwaters will not overtake us. He is the one, not any other person. I, I love my family. I love my mom and dad. I love my sister. I love them, but they are not the ones that walked me through the pain and the struggles and the difficulties. It was the one that created me unmet expectations. The second one, the reason why we get offended is because we have unresolved offenses. One of the reasons we get offended is because we haven't dealt with previous offenses. Hebrews 12 tells us this, work at living in peace with everyone, again, and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And then he tells us, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and corrupt many. I looked this up in the Mayo Clinic. It's an incredible um, medical clinic that they, they have one here in Florida. Did you, and they actually have a section on unforgiveness and bitterness. And they begin to unravel and tell you what happens to you physically when you have unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. That you have high blood pressure. A lot of times you develop heart disease. You can have a stroke. Now, does that mean that all of these things are because you have bitterness? No. If you have those things, it's not because you have bitterness, but I can tell you this, if you have bitterness, it's going to manifest in your body. It's going to come out physically because it's not something that we can contain. It's such a lie from the enemy. The enemy tells us, just don't forgive that person standing right in front of you. You can, you can hold that offense and you can still love your family. You can still love your coworkers. You can still witness Christ to everyone and be the light of the world. But that person in front of you, you don't have to forgive them. 
But what scripture tells us is that that it's more than just unforgiveness. It's a root of bitterness. And how many people know that when you plant a tree, you can't control where its roots go? It has a mind of its own. And that root of bitterness begins to go around and to corrupt many. I, I was thinking about this. Um, I followed, uh, years ago, I was um, a worship pastor for about 20, let's say 20 years, 20 plus years. And I was at a church, not this one. I was at a church and I was following a worship pastor and a lot of hurt had come from, from this previous worship pastor. A lot of people had left the church. Um, unfortunately, the entire ministry was almost completely dismantled. And I stepped in to just really just, and asked the Lord, Lord, look, Let's bring some healing to this place. So one of the previous members that had left, did not leave the church, but had left the ministry, wanted to meet with me. And so we sat down at the table and they began to share the hurt that had occurred from the previous worship pastor. Friends, it was valid. There, there was hurt there. And so this person began to tell, you know, and, and say that, they saw that now, I, now that I'm there, that it's, it's going to be different. And um, they wanted to rejoin the team. The person had an incredible heart, a great gift, loved Jesus. And as I sat there, the first thing I did was I apologized. And I said, you know, I'm sorry that as a leader, as a, as a church leader, that that was done to you and that that happened to you. And, and, and I, I, I'm sorry for that. I said, but you can't join the team. And she looked at me and she said, why? And I said, because I'm gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna mean to, I'm not gonna try to, but I'm gonna cause you some pain. I know me, I'm not perfect. I'm gonna walk into the room and maybe be preoccupied or have something else on my mind. I try my best to, you know, every day wake up with the joy of the Lord. I really do. I try to walk into work. I, I, I don't work here um, at the church. I work another full-time job. I try to walk into my office and just be a, the light and encouraging. And, and so that's what I, I desire to do every day of my life, but I'm not perfect at it. And I, I said, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hurt you. And I said, when I hurt you, if you haven't, dealt with what the previous worship pastor did, you're going to view me through that same hurt. She ended up eventually joining the team. It was incredible. She's, she was so wonderful. But it, it was at that moment that I had to, to, to let her know that like before you can step up, it's not because it's me. I'm going to hurt you. And if we don't deal with our past offenses... It is an open wound that no matter who bumps into us, we begin to bleed all over them. And we have to make sure that we don't ignore our past hurts, but we deal with our past offenses. So that way, when someone else comes, we're not saying, oh, the reason why you do that, maybe it's just because you're having a bad day. I'm not going to put on you what happened to me in my past. The third reason, a third reason why we 
um, get offended is because um, the person's just not repentant. They're not apologetic. We get upset when we think somebody should apologize and they don't. And we think to ourselves, if you would just apologize, if you would just acknowledge what you did, that we would be okay. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I want you to know that sometimes even when people do apologize to us, it's not good enough for us. If it's not done in the right way, if certain words aren't spoken, if it's, if it's not done with enough penance and enough regret, if, if you, you can say you're sorry, but I need for you to make it up to me and then I'll forgive you. Offenses come when we don't deal with the fact that sometimes people aren't sorry. So what do we do with that? Friends, what do, and we got to know because it's going to happen. It will happen. So what do we do? What do we do with the offense? So question first, anybody in here ever been offended? Anybody in here got offended by what I just said? (laughs) Don't put your hands down. We got to know it's going to happen. Jesus told us that. And in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples asked him and said, what are the signs of the last days? Now listen to me. The disciples knew that this world would come to an end. And he said, they said to Jesus, what are the signs? What can we look for, for your coming and for the end of days? And Jesus said, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be kingdoms come up against each other. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. And then Jesus said, and many will be offended. Friends, if we're not living in the last days, I don't know what is. Because everyone is offended by everything that's being said. And if Jesus is warning us that this is going to happen in the last days, we as believers, well, we better be different. See, Jesus said many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. So how do we deal with the offense? It's a sign of, our, of the last days. So if it's a sign of the last days, I know it's coming. I know it's going to hit me. So what do I do with it? The first thing we do is we ask for help. Jesus shared this with his disciples. He said in uh, Luke 17, verse 3, he said, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, come back, come back to you seven times in a day saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Then the disciples responded, increase our faith. Please, 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 if you are offended, go to God. Ask for help. Don't go to your mom. Don't go to your dad. Don't go to your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your best friend. Go to God. The apostle said to the disciples, said to him, increase our faith. 
Go to God and to God first. Ask him for help. Ask him to give you a love for the person that offended you. First thing, before you go, now, does that mean that you don't go to a, a, a safe place where you can share? Absolutely. That cannot be our first place. Our first place has to be to the Lord. And when we ask him, we ask him for the faith and the ability to be able to forgive. That's what we're going for. Sometimes we go to the Lord and we're like, Lord, you need to take care of this. You need to heal my hurt. But the disciples said, no, Lord, if we're supposed to forgive, increase our faith. Help us to forgive. Lord, help me see them through your eyes. And I can tell you this, of all the prayers that God has answered pretty quickly for me, it was this one. Because whether I wanted to receive it or not is another question. But immediately, compassion will flood my soul. A compassion and a love for a person that like, Lord, they're not perfect. They, they're not perfect. Help me to see what they were walking through. Help me to see what kind of day they were having. Lord, give me compassion for them. And here's why. If we don't go to God first and we just spew out our offense. Have you guys ever seen that reel? It's so funny. The guy, he's sitting at a baseball game, which by the way, the Red Sox play today. Hey, there's a guy sitting at a baseball game and he's um, scrolling through and there's, it's just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. And he's just going through it. And the text at the bottom says, somebody's in trouble. You know, they just like, I, here it is. And here's all the words and here's everything why. I wonder if that person went first to ask the Lord, let me see my spouse through your eyes. Because one of two things will happen. If we don't go to God first, this is what's going to happen. We will cause another person to take up our offense, which is a sin. Proverbs tells us there are six things God hates, no seven that he detests. And the last one that he detests is division among the brothers. So first, we're going to either cause the person that we're sharing it with, they're going to pick up our offense, or we're going to cause that person to look at us differently. How many times have you ever, somebody went off on somebody else and you're like, ooh, I am not going to mess with them. And then all of a sudden you're like, mm. I, listen, I'm sure my kids have said that about me. Do you know last week, Ryan told me, he told me last week, he, this morning we were, um, getting ready for church. And he said, he's, I said, babe, I said, wasn't it sweet? Last week you asked the kids and I, you sent us in our group text, if there's anything that you do that's selfish because you want it to be funny and you wanted to share that. And my son writes back and was like, dad, there's nothing you do that's selfish. Listen, ah. And he was like, don't pay me out to be some great person because I'm not, that, that was Ryan's response. I was like, you are an incredible father that your children do think that you are so selfless. Do you know I did not ask my kids if I had ever offended them? <laughs> oh, it would have been paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. Oh, y'all, I got all the words. <laughs> So we'll either cause someone else to be offended with us 
or we'll cause them to look at us differently. When Ryan and I first got married, we've been married for 24 years. And when we first got married, I listened, I don't know what, maybe somebody else dealt with this. Like it's been, it's been a good 23 years. It's been tough ups and downs, but that first year was awful. I don't know what people are saying about like the honeymoon stage because they want none of that in year one of our marriage. And so I called my mom and I was like, you don't know what he said to me. I got to tell you what he did. These things annoy me. Why does he do that? He breathes with his mouth open. That's all I hear. And I mean, I just went off and he's hurt my feelings. And I don't, you know, here's the thing. I didn't call my daddy because my daddy would have been like, honey, you get home right now. You come on home, baby girl. But I called my mama and I wanted her to feel my pain. You know what my mom told me? She said, sweetheart, I'm not able to help you. <laughs> I've been married for five months. I had no clue. I didn't grow up with brothers. And my mom says, I'm so sorry. I, I can't help you. She said, what you need to do is you need to calmly sit Ryan down. Share with him the things that hurt you. And when he apologizes, you accept his forgiveness. I don't want to do that. But she didn't stop there. She said, then you look at him and you say, now honey, what have I done over the last five months that has hurt you? What do I do that annoys you? And then you apologize to him. We laugh about it now because my sister, she's been married for 30 years, tried to do the exact same thing. And now the joke in our family is that my mom says, don't you talk about my son-in-laws. <laughs> because she loves them, we think, more than she loves us. <laughs> but my mom gave me probably one of the best, the most cherished moments of advice and guidance for my marriage. And if you have a problem, go to them. Go first to God and then go to them. The second thing that we do, first thing is we ask for help. And the second thing that we do when we're offended, it's a big one. You get offended, it's gonna happen, right? You ask God for help. And then you begin to remember all of your sins. Begin to remember what God forgave you for. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Not the ones that ask for apology, not the ones that are believers inside of the church. Listen, that person that you work with that has offended you, that is meaner than anything and uses the Lord's name in vain all the time and you know that they are not going to church, 
Forgive them. And this is what he says. He says, remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness. On a daily, friends. Before I walked out here this morning, I stood back there and I was like, Lord, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I repent for my attitudes and help me today. Because see, we judge others off of their actions, but we judge ourselves off of our intentions. See, we look at our intentions and we say, I didn't mean to do that. So we give ourselves a little more grace. But the other person, we judge their actions. Exactly what they did to us. They deserve to be punished. They deserve to be, that's not right. Because they did that. Where we say, oh, I'm so sorry. It, It wasn't my intention. What if we looked at ourselves? What if we looked at others through the lens of mercy that we look at ourselves with? What if we looked at other people and gave them the benefit of the doubt? Said, I, I know them. They didn't mean it that way. I know their heart. They love Jesus. That's just humanity. I think sometimes if we just looked at you, you'd be like, that's just us being human. I've three teenagers in my house, and I distinguish very quickly for them, that's just teenager. Like, what you're dealing with right now, everybody deals, like, it's teenager. Eventually, you won't have to deal with that anymore. That's just teenager. The third thing is this. First, we ask for help. When you are offended, go to God then remember what he's brought you through. And third, remember to treat each other with love. Once you've remembered what you've gone through, treat that person with love. Ephesians 4, 2 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Give us space. Give a space and say, you don't have to be perfect in this space. How great would that be? That's the kind of church we want. Just so everyone knows, we decide and we choose to live life here without the mask. That was before COVID. It has a whole nother meaning. But listen, we desire to be transparent here. We want you to live life without a mask. That you can walk through these doors and if you're not okay, it's okay. Friends, I can't tell you. How many times I have hugged somebody in church? I was going to say not this one, but maybe this one. And listen, I smelled the alcohol from the night before. I want you, I want them to walk through these doors. I want them to be okay that they're not okay. But I want them to know they don't have to stay that way. That there's a freedom that no drug or alcohol could ever give them. 
And friend, if you're walking through this place today and your marriage is on the rocks or maybe there's a broken relationship with your children or maybe there's a, a, a place in, with your boss that there's just all this tension, it's okay not to be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way because God has a greater freedom for you. Make space, make a space for someone else to hurt. Make a space for someone else not to be perfect. Scripture says that the same judgment that we give others will be placed on us. How we judge others, that's how we're gonna be judged. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna judge with some grace and mercy because I know I need that. Make a space. Give an allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. It all comes from love. That amazing fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love. Make that allowance. We're closing up the end of Black History Month and um, it's not... It's something in our family that we don't ever put it on anybody else, but it's something in our family that we, we take very seriously. Um, we believe that, you know, I, we teach our kids what used to happen and praise God how it is now. We'll watch funny movies like, oh my gosh, we love... Um, What's the one with the astronauts, girl? Hidden figures. Y'all, that's one of our favorites. We love that movie. But we've also watched Selma. And as I was researching for this, I was brought back to the wonderful sermons. If you, I love listening to the sermons of Martin Luther King Jr. But you can go and actually read them because he preached a lot more than what was recorded. Incredible, incredible speaker, yes. But writer, he wrote with such compassion and with such love. And one of his sermons, I was reading it this week, and he was actually talking about the horrible Supreme Court decision of the Dred Scott case that in the 1800s declared that those that were African-American were not equal to those that were white. And in that, do you know what he said? He said that he did not hold that against those men. That they were just spiritually and intellectually ignorant. Now, he called it for what it was. But then he said this. He said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. It's not an occasional act that we forgive those that have harmed us and have hurt us. It is a constant attitude. And the greatest example that we have, love Martin Luther King Jr. But friends, the greatest example that we have of the choice of forgiveness 
was a man named Jesus. While he was being physically abused, spit on, mocked, made fun of, beaten, accused of things he did not commit, the only perfect one, hanging on the cross, looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. My friends, the people at the foot of the cross weren't begging for forgiveness. They were mocking him and jeering him and saying, oh, if you are the son of God, come off that cross. You're not who you said you were. He looked at them and he took their sin and he took my sin and he took your sin and he said, Father, forgive them for I have a purpose and I have a plan to restore humanity to you. And no matter what they say to me, no matter how they treat me, no matter how they lie about me, no matter how they abuse me, I am going to forgive because I am here for you. That's what we do with offense. We take the example of Jesus who made that choice, that that was his attitude. We heard it last week, Philippians chapter two, the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus should be in us. That though he was God, he did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. Instead, he released his divinity and became a full, a full human. And he hung a criminal's death on the cross. I tell my kids all the time, and we're going to close with this. It's always our choice what our attitude is. Doesn't matter what somebody does to you, you have a choice. That freedom that God gave us, it's a choice. He says you can either forgive or hold unforgiveness. That's your choice. The attitude we have it's not because somebody did something to us. We chose it. Do bad things happen? Yes. Does abuse, physical and sexual and emotional and mental abuse happen? Yes. We didn't choose those things. We get to choose how we respond to it. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and Him and Him alone, we can release that bitterness. We can release that unforgiveness. And we can say, oh Lord, I see them through your eyes. I see them that you desire for my abuser to be saved. You desire for my abuser to be healed. I know that they will never apologize to me. I know that, that maybe they can't apologize to me because they, they've gone on. And, but I know that I can release them and that forgiveness can come into my heart for them. Friends, that might be you today. Listen, I know this is, I know this is heavy. 
But I don't want any of us to walk one more day with a root of bitterness dug down deep into our spirit that it keeps us from experiencing the presence of God. He said, if we have unforgiveness in our heart, we can't go to him. We can't go to him and ask for forgiveness ourselves because we haven't forgiven them. In this moment, nobody moving around, if you wouldn't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes. So first question I wanna ask is if there's anyone in here that you have never felt the freedom of forgiveness that comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If that's you today, if you've never experienced freedom and salvation, I wanna invite you in to a dysfunctional family, but an incredible family. If that's you today, would you lift your hand? If you need to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior today, no one's looking around. Anyone else? All right, church, can we pray for that one? that lifted their hand. And for that person that lifted your hand today, I want you to repeat after me and I want you to repeat it out loud and you're about to join a family, we're gonna say it with you. Church family, can we say this together? Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I surrender my life. Become my Lord. Become my Savior. Forgive me. Come live inside of me. And with all of my heart, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate? Maybe you're here today and you need help to forgive. I wanna pray for you today. I know this, I, I've, I've walked through some major pain and hurt in my life. See, I, I may not have had the, the childhood that Ryan had, but I can tell you it's still a miracle that I'm in church today. So I, I got a lot of, I've had a lot of church hurt. It's been my life. My dad was a pastor. My day in, day out life was church. I know it's a miracle that I'm still in church. I know that there are pastor's kids that will not walk through the doors of a church. I know that. I know there are deacon's kids that will not walk through the doors of a church. I know that. And I know that the reason why I'm still here is not because of me. It's because this word set me free. That I didn't have to hold on to that unforgiveness and that pain. That I could view people as humans who cause hurt. Maybe today you've had some major church hurt in your life. 
And as a pastor, I wanna say that I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But you're gonna have to forgive them. Maybe you're here today and you have a spouse that ended up leaving you, divorcing you, cheating on you, stealing everything from you. Friend, I am so sorry. You're gonna have to forgive them. Maybe you have a parent that chose drugs instead of you. Maybe you have a parent that wasn't present, that wasn't there for you. I'm so, so sorry. Choose today to forgive them. With every head bowed and eye closed, in this very gentle moment, if that is you today, no one is looking around. If you know if this whole service, God has been dealing with you to forgive the father that left you. To forgive the pastor that hurt you. To forgive the spouse that was not loyal to you. If that's you today, friend, I want to tell you, there is freedom and it is instantaneous. Tomorrow morning, you may have to wake up and choose to forgive again, but I'll tell you this, it gets easier and easier and easier. It gets quicker and quicker and quicker. When the enemy in your mind brings up what they did to you over and over again, you're like, ah, oh, I've already forgiven that. They might sting for a second, but then you're like, nah, I've, uh, I put that at the cross. I know how to deal with this. I ask God for help. If that's you today, no one's looking around. Just that as an act of boldness and courage, I want you to lift your hand. You guys can put it down. There are hands all over this place. The enemy is a liar. He is a liar. There is freedom that can come. He is faithful to hear and answer our prayers. And so Lord, I lift up every person that raised their hand today. Lord, you had a plan, a soft, gentle moment to begin to do some surgery that only you can do. That with your hand, you will now begin to cut out that root of rejection, that root of bitterness. That Lord, you will begin to flood our hearts with forgiveness. So first, Lord, we ask, help us. Help us to forgive the person. Lord, we cannot do it on our own. Otherwise, we would have already done it. Lord, help us right now to remember everything that you have brought us through. 
Lord, we come against anything that would try to make us self-righteous, that maybe we haven't done that thing, but we haven't done that thing. Maybe we did this, but we haven't done that. Lord, help us remember the pit that we were in when you came and rescued us. And Lord, help us to give space, to treat each other with love and to give space and a, an allowance and a place for someone else's faults, a place of forgiveness. Lord, we believe. We believe that you can do this thing in our hearts and we will be free. So we ask you now, forgive us for our unforgiveness. Set us free today that when we walk out of this place, we will hold on to the example that Jesus gave us on the cross. That no longer will we hold other people's sins that they, hold, that they occur against us, no longer will we hold them against them. But instead, we will freely, Lord, forgive them. That we will walk in an attitude of grace and compassion and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. A type of fruit that this world has never seen before. That Lord, in these last days, when many are offended, I thank you that this church will be set apart. That this church will be a place where we open up our arms and say you don't have to smell like we smell you don't have to look like we look we are going to give you love and compassion and we won't be offended when you don't think the way we think instead we're going to show you and lead you to a beautiful place of freedom in Christ Lord I thank you for your word that sets us free in Jesus name Amen. Church, can you praise the Lord this morning? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.